2: all kinds of time he's gonna run it they have no timeouts remaining and he gets a chunk play out of it 19 seconds remain here's Rogers. time of the essence there's the out route and out of bounds is Adams Rogers to the other side and he does it my oh my equanimous St. Brown Crosby stands by Waiting for his chance. Under 10 to play. Rogers wants more, and he gets it! to vontae Adams! So many pressure kicks. And now this. 27-yard, game-winning field goal for the veteran.
1: Man, I, man, we're giving away wild tickets, as you've been saying, this hour. This hour, we're giving away wild tickets. I
3: didn't even say that yet, but...
1: Oh, no, well, I just teased it rest of the show. In fact, we're giving away wild tickets in the next, well, bef- before too long. Before too long. We'll give away wild tickets. That's not even really a hot sell anymore, I suppose, but that's a rant for a different day for Judd. Uh, were you guys as glued? I did it. You what at three three fifteen oh, yeah. today? Oh, you! I did, did that rant. Okay. Judd, Judd
0: got his rant. <laughs> I did the today. wild being too oh, slow yeah.
3: rant, which will be done. <laughs> he burned off his steam. Which will be done a few more times Good. before the season. I feel done. like
1: that's the new uh, cardio for Judd. Just go if you rant about the wild for an average of twenty to thirty minutes three days a week, then you feel your heart will be. All fun. I know,
3: all I know is that my hot takes are far quicker than their speed on the ice. So um, I've got it on them right wow. now. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh, were you guys
1: as glued to the end of that Packers 49 ers game as I was? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Because yeah, it was it was theater, but the one thing that stood out the most to me isn't the heroics of Aaron Rodgers because we all know that he's incredible and we all know that he can throw for 350 or 400 pretty much any time he wants and he can bring a team back from the dead. Like I mean, he brings he brings that team back from the dead 8 times a year and he's already done it 3 times this year it seems like. But what I noticed is all these rumors about Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and they haven't gotten along for a while now and is there tension right now? All you need to know, and maybe this, maybe this is tension between Aaron Rodgers and his trust with Mason Crosby too. But I took it as tension between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. How many quarterbacks are allowed to and/or have the cojones <laughs> to wave off their head coach with six seconds left at the five-yard line, tied game? One, a chip shot field goal wins the game, and he said he he holds up one finger and he says. One more play,
3: and Mike McCarthy says, "Okay, okay." Aaron Rodgers, I don't even think Brady does that to Belichick. No, you get off the field, right? Yes, you're at the five yard line. I think it's one quarterback. Mm -hmm.
1: In fact, you could even argue when they were at like the 15 yard line, and he holds up. He did it twice to me. He held up the one finger to Mike McCarthy and said, "No, we're running another one." I'm coaching this team
0: right now. (laughs) So, what does that say? Does that say more about Aaron Rodgers or or more about Mike McCarthy?
1: Well, it says. It says <laughs> in which
0: way? Well, that says that's more what about. I'm, Aaron, that's why I'm asking. That
1: example says more about Aaron Rodgers and just how assertive he is, and how, let's face it, like that dude is playing five times. Uh, what, what's the? I guess he he's he's playing at a level that slows the game down five times compared to most quarterbacks, right? So like everyone's panicking, and Aaron Rodgers sees everything like Neo in the Matrix. I think what, what it says about Mike McCarthy is Aaron Rodgers feels like, and not just feels like, has to every game save the dumpster fire defense or save the dumpster fire uh, offensive line or the dumpster fire kicker from a week ago. <laughs> and that all of that leads to Mike McCarthy. Okay, what, what if you're ranking the things that matter with the Packers, what's the second most important thing on that team? It, there, there isn't one. It, maybe it's the receivers that Aaron Rodgers Mason makes Yeah, but he was over Mason five Cros- a week no, ago. No, I know,
3: and cost him that yeah. entire football game that might be the most like yeah. most important thing. I mean, if you're Mike McCarthy, don't you hang your head in
1: shame every time Aaron Rodgers has to bail you out in a game like
3: that? Mike, Mc- come on. Mike McCarthy's done, right? This has to be it. They've changed I mean, GMs.
0: If, if 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 it's you know, 9-6 and 1 and they're bounced out in the wild card round, yeah, probably. If
3: Mike McCarthy gets run by Green Bay after this year, and gets a job. And let's say he just gets an ordinary QB. And they're like, but you worked with Favre and Aaron. What does he win? About seven games, six games? I think he's a very ordinary coach who's been absolutely blessed by God to have two great quarterbacks. Well, let's
1: flip it. If Mike McCarthy was the coach of the Minnesota Vikings over the past three years, and because Mike, Mike Zimmer's able to build a defense, and right, well, Mike McCarthy and you can't even play the well resources. Oh, the Vikings have spent 20 to 30 million dollars a year the last 3 years on Sam Bradford and Kirk Cousins and so it, it's not like, well, but, you know, Mike Zimmer gets 20 million extra dollars to spend on
0: defense. No, he really actually he really doesn't. If somebody comes up to me and says, "Hire Mike McCarthy because he worked with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre." I'll look at him and say, "Yeah, we also worked with Brett Hundley and Joe Callahan and Matt Flynn." Matt Flynn and Scott. Tolzien Alex Smith, right, in, in San Francisco. Yeah,
3: did he? Oh, that, he did. I thought he did it. That the wasn't start of, a very good Alex Smith, no, Smith, though. No, it wasn't. But <laughs> that's my. That's the point. Yeah. yeah. The point is, he was gifted these two, and and we always said, well, his development or look at how he helped, and you're like, eh, really, he might have played a small role, but it was a fraction of, of a role. Yeah. And Rogers got the ability to sit behind Favre, and and as long as he sat. And as silly as that seemed in retrospect, it had to be a huge help. Yeah, you, of course. Because he's a smart guy, yeah. and you could be like, Brett just made three throws that were really stupid. Yeah. So yeah. I'm never going to do those. that. I'm yeah. never going to do
0: that. Those.
1: Yeah. That's the amazing thing about Rodgers is he gives you all of the upside of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and none of the interception downside. I mean, Eli Manning, when he's hot, wins Super Bowls. One of the one of the great postseason performers. Right, Brett Favre, when he's hot, is all-time great but they also give you the floor of 20 interceptions, (laughs) devastation in the NFC. You're you're probably not going to see Aaron Rodgers, well, for two reasons, throw a devastating interception in the NFC championship game. Number one, because he doesn't. Number two, because they're not going to get there with Mike McCarthy as the coach, and this is their defense. Do you guys watch what Rodgers does in games like that, though, and think, and even in the game against the Vikings, where on one leg, he's throwing for a bunch of yards and grinding out that Zimmer defense. Does it give you pause, though, even though... The Vikings stack up pound for pound, better at defense, better probably equal in kicker because both guys are, I don't know, both guys are statistically two of the best kickers of the last 10 years. Uh, Vikings better in the skill position, probably better in other areas. But does <laughs> does what Aaron Rodgers, does that type of game give you any pause about this division? That like, oh Absolutely man, maybe does. the Packers are going to win 10 or
3: 11. It It does for me. And it's it's very simple. Why? Look at how this league is now geared. Mm-hmm. So the Vikings could go out and play a, a really sound defensive game, and guess what? It takes Trey Wayne's to bump the wrong guy at, at the wrong time, and that's a flag now. Yeah. So yes, it does. The Vikings are have have overall better personnel and a better team, but when you have a quarterback that talented, who is going to get the calls in key games? Absolutely does. Yeah. Yeah. uh, The
1: the more you see some of these numbers, too, about offense now compared to even five years ago, it's amazing. So now another, I don't know if this is a record, but I think it is. Aaron Rodgers, the first quarterback ever to throw back-to-back 400-yard passing games and no interceptions. And a lot of that's Aaron Rodgers, but it's Aaron Rodgers in a league in which he can do anything he wants now, right? Mm Mm-hmm. In which, well, this is the this is the Richard Sherman penalty from last night.
2: Third and fifteen here, and they trip him up and take him down. to Forrest Buckner, and a flag is down. All the way back at the thirty-seven. Illegal contact, defense. Number Twenty-five, yeah. five-yard penalty, automatic first down. Think well,
1: hey, about Richard Sherman built his legacy in Seattle, if people saw the play, it was just kind of a little handsy thing, spins the receiver a little bit. But, Mm -hmm. I mean, those Seattle defensive backs did that for four years and got called once in a while, but physical, physical, physical. Not like that, yep. And those type of penalties, I think, are triple now so far this year in the NFL compared to a year ago, right? Correct. So if you're Richard Sherman, and of course he's getting older and he's coming off injuries too, but... If you can't do that stuff anymore, and you're facing Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. what like what are you, got, you supposed to
0: you do? Yeah, no shot. Man. Yeah,
3: can you, you explain no to me though, Phil, San Francisco's defense on the the sideline? What was that about? Uh, at the at, near the end of the game, there, right? Yeah. That last drive, it mm-hmm. was it was mind boggling.
1: I'm going to bring a footbally term. How uh, porous that became. Jason Witten pointed out that they should
3: have been playing more outside leverage, right? Well yeah, but football. You, yeah. Don't you don't you work for that? Don't you work to know that to do football. that? Football. Like you still go through
2: training camp.
1: We need we need another one of these uh Mackey and Judd.
2: Mackey and Judd's hard count. Outside leverage. <laughs> mm-hmm. It is weird
1: though when they don't have any timeouts left and they're just trying to chunk the ball down the field and they only have fifteen seconds left, so they can't throw You want them to throw any pass over the middle because they can't Mm -hmm. get back to the line and spike it fast enough, right? So you should literally have all of your defenders lined up almost like a horseshoe. Hey, just throw the ball in here somewhere and we'll swarm and then the game is over. Right. Or it goes to overtime, I guess. Right. Yeah.
3: But they didn't even come close. No. And you're watching that and going, okay, at some point in time here, I, I I would, as that drive progressed, rather take a penalty for trying to defend a guy than just watch... Aaron Rodgers complete the pass and and yards, guys just step yards. out of bounds. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. They it went it went eight yards, nineteen yards, nineteen yards. I mean, they just moved right down and you said to yourself at some point in time here, play some defense. Just try at least. Yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen, we have wild
1: tickets to give away here and we're gonna make you earn it. Let's say the first caller to answer this trivia question. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you in your ear what the answer is, Manny. Here, because Manny, slowest well, player. Manny probably knows the answer. Yeah, who is the slowest? Who's the player? slowest Minnesota
3: Wild player?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I Several win the ticket. Options. I available. win the ticket. It's
3: Miko now. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, who has the most power play goals in Wild franchise history? The most power play goals in Wild franchise history. Manny, the answer is. You got that? I got it. Okay. Yeah. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Be the first to answer it correctly, and you will go watch professional hockey at the XL Energy Center, or as Judd would say, something close to professional hockey. at the XL Oh, Energy it's still Center. professional hockey. Uh, Michael Jr. will join us in about 20 minutes or so, the football hour with Courtney Cronin and Matthew
2: Cotton. Mackie and Judd are back. Please continue. On 1500
0: ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic, 169 northbound. uh, We have a crash between 63rd Avenue North and 94 near New Hope, uh, adding about an extra nine minutes to your commute. And, of course, uh, we still have that overturned semi-trailer, 94 eastbound near the uh, Highway 52 exit. Uh, The exit ramp is closed for the next three hours. Whoa, yikes. We got a winner there in
1: our wild ticket trivia challenge? We do. Because I got the answer. It's Marion Gaberick with the most power play goals in <laughs> wild franchise history. 59 power play goals, two ahead of Miko Koivu, is 57.
3: It's a really sad thing that he still holds that record. <laughs> you know how long he's been gone for?
0: <laughs> like, what, You know how long years? it's, it's been? Leave? Yes. It's been a long, Was it long it time. 09 when he left? 08? Yeah, it's it's yeah. He, for,
3: he forced his, well, he tried, he tried to tell him he wasn't going to come back, which they, they should have turned around and said, okay, we'll trade you then. But in Jimmy Butler-like fashion, they're what like, no, it? we can win with you. We'll hold on yeah. to you. <laughs> oh my God. And he, he walked. Uh, all right. So so from hour one, Phil, we discussed this. Got an observation about the NBA and National Football League that I think tie together. And, and it goes to this. It goes to the amount of offense that we're seeing in football right now, which, plain and simple, defenses aren't good. There's a few of them, but there's not a lot. Now, now the, the rules are skewed against them as well, which hurts. I think it's more that, but yeah. But anyway, the point being is, offense has taken off, ratings are up, and, and I think the league is delighted. NBA, we start tonight, we basically start tonight watching Golden State play OKC and saying to ourselves, eight months from now... Odds are very good that Golden State is going to win the championship. Mm-hmm. And I think you have fans being like, and that's no fun. I wish my team could cont- I wish my team could win it. But the NBA has never been more popular.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: I think in many ways, those two leagues, for all we might complain and find flaws with how they go about things, those two leagues are genius right now because they figured out with the Average fan, not the diehard, but the, the average fan where the sweet spot is. Mm-hmm. And the sweet spot is, if you tell me today that I could see a seven seed in the NBA upset Golden State and make a run, I might say, oh, that's really cool, until I have to watch that team play in the finals. Mm-hmm. And they're not nearly as good or fun as Golden State. If you tell me smash mouth defensive football is coming back, I might say that's the way football should be. Until I have to start watching games in which it's played out and it's not nearly as compelling. That's why I think th- these two leagues are probably extremely happy. And I also think they're really damn smart.
1: Yeah. So what? let's break down their formulas. It's high scoring. It's superstars. In the NFL, it's quarterbacks have always been superstars. But there's because it's easier for quarterbacks to operate and to put up numbers that we regard as big time numbers where you see more 300 yard performances, more two and three touchdown performances, uh more 100 yard receivers in games than ever before. So and those register on people's fantasy football teams and it becomes more fun to watch, right? Uh the NBA also rivalries and dynasties, NFL same thing, rivalries and dynasties yep. or dynasties for sure and then teams that look to challenge the Patriots year after year and storylines that pop up like the Eagles and what they did last year. But if you've got superstars that also play on your fantasy team and games are fun to watch because they're high scoring and there's someone to root against, Patriots and Warriors, those are your formulas. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Does baseball have any of those things? Not to like drive this into the well, baseball ditch, well, but let's does see, baseball have any of those Let's
3: things? see. The baseball's best player is probably Mike Trout who's been in the playoffs twice in
0: 10 years. Mm-hmm. So your answer to your question is no? Yeah. I mean, I guess you kind of had the Yankees to root against, but even like they've not really become, are they still like the evil empire? Do people really look at the Yankees as the evil empire still? I don't think so. No, nah, they've been, well, I mean, they they sold at the trade
1: deadline two years ago. So they're still, I mean, they're they're building back up and they've been to the playoffs two years in a row, but then they get knocked out
3: early, I right? I think, I think the answer to your question is really, really simply no. Mm-hmm. Baseball doesn't.
1: Yeah. So, can you honestly say, as as a football fan, and I think we we're all pretty diehard football fans, is it annoying in these games when you see the fifteen yard flag on a perfectly fine hit historically to a quarterback's midsection that we'd rather not be a penalty? Like, I think is it is it fair to say that in that moment that's yeah. annoying, but from a big picture standpoint. We sort of love these 33 to 30 shootouts. Patriots and Chiefs, National TV, and I'm torn 83 total points and Pat Mahomes. That's fun to watch.
3: And I'm torn too, because if you if you tell me that that the defender got screwed on a call, I agree. But if you then extrapolate that and be like, okay, let's say he doesn't get called. And so the next guy who takes the same shot hurts the star quarterback. And so now I'm watching the backup. Do I want that? Absolutely not. I would rather see I would I would prefer to see the Vikings lose a game this year on a questionable call than let's say for two star quarterbacks to get hurt. I would much prefer I mean last night. Mm-hmm. If last night if if Rodgers had suffered a a season-ending or multi-week ending injury in week 1 against the Bears and we're watching who Deshaun Kaiser play I think I'd turn that yeah. game off and don't watch it.
1: Now, on the other hand, this is what I would argue that the NFL is moving a little too close to what the big 12 has become in college football <laughs> to where you get to an, toward the end of a game. And it's like, or at any point in the game and it's just eight yard chunk after 15 yard chunk after 10 yard chunk. And, and there's just no resistance is the and to add to that, if you're a great pass rusher and you're being paid to disrupt an opposing team's passing game, are you not even allowed to disrupt it? Because there's only one way to tackle a quarterback and it's to literally like like ask him permission to lay on the ground. Can I please set you down softly? There's I guess there I'm okay with the offense and I think it's fun to watch. So I'm all for that. And I want quarterbacks that are stars to be on the field. We had to watch CJ Bethard last night. It was it wound up being a fun finish and CJ Bethard played pretty well until the end. Yep. Jimmy Garoppolo would have been more fun to watch because he's more of the star quarterback uh, but I don't know. I think we're I think we're right on that line of, all right, this is more offense than we've ever seen before. The rules are more slanted than they've ever been before. This is kind of my limit, though. I don't want it to turn into Big Twelve games where it's Texas Tech against Oklahoma State and it's sixty three to forty at the half, right?
0: <laughs> well, I I brought this up with Collar and Courtney last week about because you know, everybody's worried about the defenses and, and nobody can stop anybody anymore. We're not seeing those historically great defenses anymore. The problem is, to our point, when you look back at the the all-time, like the greatest defenses that this league has seen, the 85 Bears and the Buccaneers in 02, the Ravens in 2000s, look at, look at those Super Bowls. They were awful. Well, the Trent Dilfer's oh, playing quarterback for the awful. Ravens. You're right. You know, the Seahawks right. against the Broncos. Now they're going up against arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and Peyton Manning, and that offense that Broncos offense was great, but when we saw it, when we see great defenses yep. at the on the biggest stage of this sport, it's awful. Yeah. And we're all we all walk away from those games like, Oh, that was terrible.
1: We had a stretch of Super Bowls in the seventies where the final scores were 16 to 7, 23 to 7, most of these are Vikings losses by the way, mm-hmm. all right. 16 to 13, 24 to 3, 14 to 7, 24 Oof. to 7, 16 to 6 where year after year after year, at least one of the teams for a decade scored a touchdown or few or less in the game, yeah. right? So I Is you don't fun want to that. Watch? You don't want that, but do you want every game to be 43 to 30? We've actually had uh let's see here Three, Four of the last six Super Bowls, the winning score has been at least 34 points. Mm-hmm. 34, 43, 34, and 41 last year. 41 to 33. So at what point, I mean, are we headed toward Super Bowls being 52 to
3: 48 and But no I think defense? if it was, I think if, if that happened, the league would be very pleased and fan, and the general fan would think that was great. Let's ask Mike, let's keep this going with Mike yeah.
1: Golick Jr., when we come back here, I'm sure he has hashtag takes on things like that. He might even have a Jimmy Butler take that we can right. write in this next segment. And the football hour with Cordy Cronin and Matthew Collar, followed by Purple Live at 6 o'clock tonight. It's Mackie and Judd with Manny Hill from the TCL Broadcast Studio. Don't go
2: anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. Well, here we are again. Yeah. On 1500
0: ESPN. This isn't personal. Um, that was my message to everybody. It's, it's not personal, especially to my guys. You know? We're the ones that got to rip and run up and down this court every single day. Um, I make sure to remind them every single day. I'm paying attention. I'm watching. Um, I'm helping. I'm studying the film just like you are, just because I want to help everybody be better. I want y'all to um, win games. Um, my name's still attached to this thing. I'm still here. So uh, we better win. We usually talk
1: football with Mike Golig Jr. because he used to play football for a, a team with gold helmets. Uh, but we want to know if you have any Jimmy Butler takes. Do you have any Jimmy Butler
5: takes for us here, Mike Golig Jr.? Any Jimmy Butler takes? No, other than uh, if he's going to stick around there, him and Carl Anthony Towns are probably going to have to throw down at some point, right? Like, the one thing you always learn pretty quickly is that if you let yourself be the guy that people come in and steal on in the locker room, that's not going to stop until you push back. Like, I've seen plenty of guys take, you know, you know what, from dudes over and over again because they're just afraid to push back that one time and let them know that ain't how it's going to be, so... Unless you have one of those come-to-Jesus moments, I have a feeling life's going to keep being not all that fun for Carl anthony Town and Andrew Wiggins.
3: I love this thought. Pay-per-view. Let's, let's start doing this instead of, like, you know, things are going to be settled behind the scenes and we don't talk about these things. Yeah. Let, if two guys hate each other's guts, let's start doing
5: pay-per-view where they just fight. Well, and you know what the amazing thing is? It's like you guys know this. We're guys. We're all stupid. The wiring's not that sturdy up top. So you go in there and slug it out for a little bit, and it's amazing how much better you feel after that. I've seen guys that love each other, have a you know, major disagreement. You're in practice, you're in the locker room, maybe a little pushing and shoving ensues. A few blows are exchanged, and then by the end of it, we're all singing kumbaya and going on the training table. It's amazing yeah. what those things can solve in the world as barbaric and archaic as sports.
3: What's the, uh, what's the stupidest or silliest thing that you've seen uh, start a fight?
5: The dumbest thing I've seen start a fight, nine, I mean, nine out of ten times it's girls, right? Mm-hmm. Like, again, we're all wired pretty primitively. It's usually, and like in college it is such a dime a dozen. It can be something you saw on a Friday night that all of a sudden, and you guys know this, in the middle of the season, or in this case for the NBA, after training camp, you're so used to each other and you've been around each other way too much that it's that straw that broke the camel's back mentality. And next thing you know, someone's swinging a helmet in the locker room and all hell's breaking loose.
1: Yeah, I, I, And back to your original point, I honestly think yeah. if Carl anthony Towns were to unload on Jimmy Butler, I think Butler would get up with a big smile and have... A hundred times more respect. I I almost think that's what he's hoping happens. Somebody punch me in the face at practice, please. Andrew Wiggins, wind up one time.
5: Yeah, it's like that scene from Step Brothers. You want to punch me in the face, don't you? Yeah, you definitely want to punch me in the face. Well, why don't you do it? Like, that's the language that Jimmy Butler appears to speak. When you walk into practice, and however however orchestrated it is or not, those are probably some true feelings that were getting barked out in the middle of that practice that all of us had a front row seat to. So that's the language of love that Jimmy Butler (laughs) happens to speak. Sometimes you got to talk back to him.
1: Yeah. All right, how... We we sit here and the, the people who listen to our show are Vikings fans by and large. So it is amusing to watch the Packers go 25 years with Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre and only, quote unquote, have two Super Bowl titles and have to grind out games against C.J. Bethard because everything outside of Aaron Rodgers is mostly a tire fire in Green Bay. Um, so it is I think I think people listening find that amusing. If I'm a Packers fan, And I'm watching that thing last night, and I'm wondering, is there tension between McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers? All you had to know is with, what, six seconds to go inside the 10-yard line, a chip shot field goal wins it, and Rodgers gives the one more play sign to his head coach and winds up throwing a pass out of bounds. But uh, I think we know who runs that relationship right now and who has the leverage there, Mike Goley Jr.,
5: it's pretty amazing I saw something I don't know if I just hadn't been paying attention or if I've really never seen this before but a similar situation they're down in the red zone they they were working late into the clock all night it was really weird And Aaron Rodgers calls a play, sees a blitz look that he doesn't like on the other side, calls a timeout, and then doesn't move an inch on the field. They bring water out to him. He's taking it in, out on the field, doesn't even think about going over to the sideline to consult with Mike McCarthy or anybody else. All of the rumors of a risk or bad relationship there, we were given everything we need to know. And you can talk about it as frustrating as it's got to be for Packers fans. Look at the way Aaron Rodgers wears it. Like, I don't know if he just enjoys giving it to young wide receivers verbally when they're not doing the right thing, but I think this is years of all right, you had me underpaid for a while relative to the market. I gave you a chance to go and build around me, and the best you could give me is Devontae Adams, who after being a first-rounder finally looks like he's coming into form as a full-time guy. We had a wide receiver as a running back for an entire year not too long ago, and my offensive line has finally now become a unit that I can actually trust. Like Aaron Rodgers has been waiting around, and he looks sick and tired of waiting. He
3: does. Now, help me out here, though. As great as he is, can you explain to me defensively what Francisco? Sanford- was doing last night, because once they took the penalty on Sherman, I I couldn't believe that they basically, for the rest of that drive until the Crosby field goal to win it, gave uh, Green Bay the sideline and that quarterback the sideline and seemed to do absolutely nothing about it.
5: It was remarkable, and in a secondary where I understand skill-wise he's probably past his prime, but you brought Richard Sherman in to sort of be the mentor for that entire secondary unit and for a lot of that defense in general because that 49ers defense that, lest we forget, four or five years ago was a juggernaut with Navarro Bowman and company there. Now you're trying to sort of revamp that. And under Richard Sherman's too, I saw way too many blown coverages, wide-open throws from an offense, mind you, under Mike McCarthy that's not exactly the Kyle Shanahan offense we saw on the other side. They're not scheming throws wide-open for you. Those are happening because the defense is carrying the wrong guys downfield and just flat-out, it seemed like, blowing assignments during the night. So I don't know. that's the only thing I can think of because there's no way the Packers are scheming you that wide
0: open. Golig, do we have to start tapering our expectations for defenses now in the NFL? Because I'm looking around at, you know, the 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 Rams and the Vikings play a couple of weeks ago, and it's just both teams just going back and forth, up and down the field. And the Rams obviously have talented players on defense, but the Vikings still put up 31 points against them. We're watching Kansas City and New England play in a shootout on, uh, on Sunday night, and even like last night the 49ers I mean they we can say what we want about what they did defensively on the last drive but it's just it's so hard to stop these offenses now do we have to taper our expectations for what defenses are able to do now in today's NFL
5: I think so I I heard an interesting point we were talking to Teddy Bruschi we had him on Golic and Wingo one day obviously great Patriots linebacker was a part of some of those last remaining NFL staunch defenses and he said now more than ever the focus has to be on situation if you're a defense you can expect to give up plenty of yards but you've got to be better on third down. You've got to truly bend, don't break in the red zone, sort of the way the Patriots have done for the last few years now, especially under Matt Patricia. It's interesting. They always seem to be sort of ahead of the curve in that regard. But you think about it from the offensive side, you've got the rules that are helping you out. The quarterbacks are super protected. But you've also got a lot of really good young coordinators who realize, hey, you know what, the Patriots have been playing with guys in space for a long time, all those choice routes, option routes in the middle of the field. We've got elements of that from the college game that we can use and that these young quarterbacks know how to use. So I think it's sort of the perfect storm of events that's got this offensive juggernaut that it's just going to take a while for defensive coordinators in the league who eventually figure most things out to an extent to readjust to the rules and the new coordinators and some of the college elements that all seem to arrive on their laps at one time. I think
1: my new favorite thing about Monday Night Football is the booger, the little setup where he's
5: just like hovering (laughs) over the field. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? Just like Booger uh, Cam. Hey, you know what? Kudos to Booger. I don't know if I'd have sea legs for that thing because you got to yeah. think that thing's moving and shaking all the time. I don't know what the shock absorbers of that are like, but you would have to have a doggy bag next to me on that thing. And Booger is up there in a full suit. He's got the scarf on last night. He hasn't gone, uh, you know, full car- uh, Charles Woodson, uh, uh, you know, uh, chest crevasse or whatever the hell thing he wears on his neck during Sunday countdown. It is weird, yeah. but, Booger. booger is making fashion statements and somehow coherent points at the same time. I will tell you, my favorite thing about it is the front facing, straight on Booger cam where he's got this perfect, it's almost like an Instagram filter lighting that makes him look like 10 years younger. It's remarkable. It is great. Yeah, my, my fear
1: would be as someone with, you know, some mild digestive issues once in a while, depending on how dinner went. Like if, you know, if you're in the booth, you're Jason Witten or you're just you're your, your Troy Aikman, right? You can you can disappear for a little while and do your thing if you need to, not when you're sitting out there though. I mean, you better make sure that you've got some immodium in your pocket cuz you can't just get off that crane and run to a bathroom, right? That's that would be my biggest fear. <laughs>
5: Yeah, you know, the first person I'd be calling for advice, and I actually got a chance to talk to him about this once, is Scott who who is the NFL Red Zone channel for the NFL Network, because he's a guy, seven hours of live NFL programming, and I asked him, do you ever go to the bathroom? And he says, not once. He has got a strict diet and fluid routine the night before going into that morning that he adheres to. He has taken a bathroom break in the years he's been doing this one time in that entire time. So that's the first call I would have, and you've got to tailor it. If you're going to be up there, you've got to be about it.
3: You gotta have like a jar or bottle or something just in case, though, right, Golic? I mean, there's got to be some precaution and just in case you absolutely can't hold it.
5: I think you gotta build your you gotta have that and you gotta have your suits. I mean, these guys all are getting paid Monday night football money, so they got it like this, but you gotta have a suit that's got the emergency hatch, kinda like a baby's Mm -hmm. onesie where you can just unbutton it and open up so you're there on the fly ready to go, because you're right, the chance of a catastrophic blowout is substantial. (laughs) I think
0: I think Joe Buck told a story once of like in his early years doing an NFL game for Fox, he actually had to use the bathroom like during a commercial break. But he, they were coming back from commercial break, and he wasn't, like, done yet or something like that. And so he had to, like, call a play, like, while he was using the bathroom. Oh, because he, he was, was told, still mic'd up? I think so. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to listen back to him telling the story. You know, but, yeah, I'm pretty sure
1: Tony Siragusa had a catheter down there behind the enzyme.
5: zone. <laughs> I'm was sure a bad idea, that. actually, though. That
0: would be the least surprising thing in the world
5: if Sarah Goose had a catheter, you know, a full-on bedpan, probably a buffet way too close to both of them. Too Goose seems like he'd have all that in the arsenal. Yeah, hundred
1: percent. Yeah, if, if anyone, if anyone looks like football, it would be Tony Sirico. Thank you, sir. All right. Bye, Golic. We'll see you next week. See you guys. All right, Mike Golic Jr. You can find him three o'clock to five o'clock a.m. His show on 1500 ESPN. He also joins Golik and Wingo with his dad and Trey Wingo.
3: Oh, I now have a mental image of Booger with uh, some, some type of a hatch. <laughs> Emergency hatch for Booger McFarlane. That's
2: disgusting. Yeah. Don't go anywhere. Assume the position. More Mackie and Judd coming up next on 1500 ESPN. What is it you're trying to say? Now, back to Mackie and Judd what? on 1500
0: ESPN. All right, quick check on your traffic here. Uh, 94 eastbound. Of course, we still have that overturned semi trailer near the uh, Highway 52 exit. The exit ramp is closed for the next three hours. Uh, 169 northbound. uh, We have a crash in Golden Valley between 394 and Highway 55. Look out for a crash there, adding seven minutes to your commute. And 494 westbound. We have a uh, crash. Uh, in near Penn Avenue in Richfield, uh, near 35 W as well, and uh, that's about an extra 26 minutes. So uh, be on the lookout for that if you're heading westbound on 494. And gentlemen, during the break, I uh, I found that Joe Buck story yeah. of uh, him clutch on uh, on NFL Network. I believe it was the uh, Dave, D- uh, Damashek, yeah. uh, show. Okay, this is from a couple of years ago of him telling the story of. Him having to use the bathroom while during a broadcast. <laughs>
4: oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm like 25 or 26 calling this at Fox, and the the half would not end, and we had only 30 second breaks left. And I know the ex players are like, "Oh, poor baby announcer," but it was a game in Milwaukee where the Packers used to play one home game every year, and the booth was nowhere near the bathroom. You had to like go over catwalks and through people, and so <sighs> I couldn't get to the bathroom, and I kept going. I've got to go. And somebody handed me, like, one of those little water bottles. Yeah. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I, I just slapped that away. And there was a girl in the booth. I said, you're going to have to leave. And I had a parka on, and it was a trash can like that with a bag in it. <laughs> and oh I my and I God. So now the break happens, and stage fright hits, and I can't go. Oh, wow. Oh. And because I've got people around me. And right. now I start with, like, 10 seconds left coming back. And we came right back from break, and the first play from after the timeout, now I'm going, and then bango. Midstream, take it away, Brett Favre and Joe Buck.
2: And the flats, it's sharp. Touchdown, Packers.
4: And then I finished. Did the does
1: voice inflection affect anything? Is there a <laughs> connection between? You know?
4: I, I kept it within the can. Let's uh, say that I didn't miss even a tight in the flat touchdown. I still I maintained my focus.
0: Mister Joe, you gotta let that thing fly, baby. You can't yeah. get stage flat. <laughs> yeah.
1: Gotta- Wait. Did, okay. Did did he was that the play that he called? Yeah? Yes. That's the play that he called. Yeah. So he called a touchdown. Not only was it building toward. Some horrible moment <laughs> for him. Building. It was All like right. building toward a touchdown <laughs> <laughs> at Milwaukee County Stadium with the Packers. Very
3: professional. Yeah.
1: Oh man, that was so twenty-five. So that must have been well. He took time twenty
3: years ago. He he was originally Mid-90s. he originally did NFL games for
0: Fox, mm-hmm. and then I
3: want to say he stopped doing he them. Was and like the number
0: three guy or something, and became
3: like that the main baseball guy him. at like twenty-six. Yeah. And then was was reintroduced as the top NFL announcer at Fox after Summerall retired, right? Mm-hmm. So he like took a break there, but yeah, he, he was on their third or fourth team for a few few years, and that's when he did that. I I I call I'm I'm motion
1: for Minnesota sports fans and Vikings fans. Let's put an end to this Joe Buck nonsense.
0: Yes, he's Thank really you. good. Thank you. I've been saying this. I've been championing this for. Five yeah. years. And, well, and not only is he really good, he's
3: a funny, likable dude when you get him into these storytelling situations. He, right? he also made up for any, if you considered it to be sins of that Moss call, his Minneapolis Miracle call yes. last January is fantastic. Yes. It is, a, it is the perfect call. Yeah, I get it. And he's also
1: ex- Exposed might not be the right word, no, considering what we, the clip case, we just played yeah. there. But like,
3: <laughs> wasn't that
1: you know, he's on all of these baseball games and all of these. So at this time of year, you get uh, yeah, yeah, if you're a sports fan, it's Joe Buck every single night, and now it's Thursday night Joe Buck for football, and then it's Joe Buck. And why at is ALCS. he their main golf
3: guy? That's the one thing I never got. Golf. But I mean, come on,
1: Fox. Right. Well, they're taking their big gun. I mean, Jim Nance is the same way. Jim Nance was their lead football guy on CBS, and then their lead whisper at the Masters. So is he?
0: <laughs> Is he doing Thursday night football, yeah. too?
1: Him and Troy Aikman are doing he's, th-
0: I mean, he's doing the, the NLCS, yeah. too.
1: Yes. Yeah, he did Thursday night football, and then, what, the next night, he was doing... What's uh, the Thursday
0: game this week?
1: I don't know. I couldn't Because isn't
0: me. there an NLCS game Thursday night?
1: Then he probably won't do baseball, right? Then Kevin Burkhardt will do... Well, no, Kevin Burkhardt will probably do football. Doesn't Joe stand... Brenneman,
3: Brenneman might do um uh
1: baseball, then. Okay. But we've we've held onto this thing since 2004. Oh, yeah. It's ridiculous. And yeah, okay, he overreacted. It was it wasn't overreaction. It's also been a decade and a half now. Yeah. And and my beef with him for a long time and this actually goes back to I'll, I'll never forget it was 10 years ago in the NLCS between the Mets and the Cardinals and someone late in the game robbed a home run to to keep the game alive in left field and his call of it was fly ball to the left. And it's caught and it was I'm like, dude, come on. I know you've <laughs> seen, seen games before, but let's let's put a little excitement into it. But other than that, he's a freaking pro. And he's like it or not, too, he's gonna be the voice of the national voice of our generation watching sports. When and you think cool back, when that. you're old and you think back to previous generations, like this generation will be represented by Joe Buck, and he's and, one of the
3: best. And Vikings fans will never forgive the guy. No, I think I think there's some that have come around though. Some have, but to this to this day, people will call and say, I'll never listen to Joe. I can't
0: stand Joe Buck. And he's <laughs> even said that him and Randy Moss like patched that up like four or five years ago. Yeah. The whole mooning thing at Lambeau. Like come on, people, get over it.
1: Like imagine okay. Imagine holding that much resentment for that long over something so trivial. Is that really
3: Advancing your life to hold on to that for fifteen years every time Joe Bucks a- especially especially when when you consider the awful things that that have happened since then to your poor franchise. You found a way to lose another NFC championship game, then you got blown out in one. Is is a is a game in Green Bay, Wisconsin really that important? Yeah. You got a lot going wrong or that, that has gone wrong through the years for your franchise. Yeah. The football
1: hour, when we come back, I'm going to give my chair to, uh, well, I'm going to give my, like, literally give my chair to Judd, but Courtney Cronin's going to come in here with Matthew Collar as part of the football hour in the five o'clock and also Purple Live at six o'clock with Courtney and Matthew. You can find Purple Podcast on demand at 1500ESPN.com. Uh, also, too, we still have the Mackey and Judd auction. Twenty five hundred dollar treatment voucher toward Light RX face and bodies, body contouring, skin rejuvenation, and laser hair removal treatment packages. You might be thinking, "What? What? I'm a guy." Yeah. Well, oh, you no, know what? Important. If uh, you want to change your life and you want to get rid of that embarrassing back hair or that upper neck hair, that chest hair that sprouts out too aggressively, I'm talking to you, Jud Zolgad. Light RX hits <laughs> close to home. Light Rx, okay, that's... Take a look, right here. That's disgusting. LightRx.com, go to 1500ESPN.com, keyword auction to make your bid. The bidding and the auction end on Wednesday. The football hour when we come
2: back from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Sit tight. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment.
4: Do I have your word on that, sir?
2: Mackie and Judd. Absolutely. On 1500 ESPN.
5: Did you know Nissan EVs have traveled 8 billion miles? Just a quick trip to Pluto and back. And what did we learn along the way? Well, that an EV can take on the world, like the Nissan LEAF. It can move racing forward and take your breath away, like the all-new Nissan Aria. We learned to make EVs that electrify. 8 billion miles driven by LEAF owners globally since 2010. Aria not yet available for purchase. Expected availability
2: late fall. Subject to change.